God desires a relationship with us and he desires our worship. But what exactly does that mean? How can we truly worship God? And what does that look like in our everyday lives? Find out from author and speaker, Jacqueline Palmer. Here's Jacqueline. We're going to start new right now. Welcome. Welcome to Women Inseparable. I'm Jacqueline Palmer, where we are serious and we study the Word of God. <laughs> we are going to, <laughs> we are in James chapter 2 today. James, James chapter 2. And in James chapter 2, we get to focus on one word. This one word is our next step in our process of worship. We have been going through the process of worship. We started with no, we went to love, we've been in practice, and I pray that we never get out of practice until the day we see Jesus face to face. Don't ever get out of no, get out of love, and get out of practice. Those three words must be in us. May I say that again? These three words must be in us to be able to proceed into the next word. If we do not have these three words wrapped up in our heart of worship and we proceed into this next word, we're just going to repeat the same cycle that we always repeat every time we hear this word. You're like, what is that cycle? Let me say the word. <laughs> You'll know. The word is obey. Obey. Does a thought come into your head when you hear the word obey? Is it a wonderful word? Do you say deep within your soul, oh, I just love obedience. <laughs> we do when we have a two-year-old looking at us and we tell our two-year-old, do what I say, and they obey, and we're like, good. But then when the word is cast upon us, sometimes our heels stop us in our track. Sometimes a human crosses our mind that said to us at one time in one way or another, you must obey. Do as I do. Thank you for saying it correctly. <laughs> Satan has done damage with the word obey. Satan has done damage. And if I can say as your sister from this um, broken little chair of mine, if Satan has done damage in your heart, in your head with the word obedience, whether it came from a pulpit or it came from a parent or it came from a human one way or the other, can I say I'm sorry? I'm sorry for what you experienced. I'm sorry for what you were trained. I'm sorry for what you were learned. I understand. I, I know. I know the hurt that comes with this word. I know the damage that comes with this word when it's presented on earth and incorrectly. If this is you, I'm so sorry. If it's not, congratulations, and ignore the whole heartache of it all and stay so fully enamored by the word obey. The word obey is a powerful, powerful word that wraps you up in freedom. Can I say that again? Obey is a powerful word that is wrapped up in the word freedom. If we pursue this freedom with a heart of worship, you're going to fall in love every time you hear the word obey. Imagine that. If we step into obedience without a heart of worship, you're just gonna repeat that same cycle of dew, of exhaustion, of irritation, of heels jammed into the sand. It's not good. It's never good when you obey without a heart of worship. But if we get our heart of worship and we step forward, 
is going to just amaze you. With that, and with James 2 open before us, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, can I just simply get this simple little word, the word obey, and lay it before your throne. Father God, we pray your light upon this word. We pray your life upon this word. We pray your Holy Spirit upon this word. We pray open eyes upon this word. Lord Jesus, while you were with your disciples, walking among them and training them up in the way they should go, you said three things. You said, blessed is the one whose eyes see. Father God, I pray that you'll help our eyes to see. You said, blessed are those who have ears to hear. Father God, I pray that we'll have ears to hear. And Lord Jesus, you said, blessed are the ones who have a heart to understand what you are saying. Father God, I pray for a heart of understanding. I pray that our heart of understanding will silence our head of knowledge when it comes to what we have been told and brought up with this word. I pray that you'll give us a heart of understanding, something brand new, something so full of your freedom, something so full of your life. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit for the love of our God. This is my prayer. May we obey. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. James chapter 2. I pray that we are all excited and ready to jump into this word. The timing that God does what he does is just so precious to my heart. He um, scripted this 16-week study, eight weeks with a two-week break, and then eight more weeks to learn the process of worship. And I had this written down. I sent it to the publishing. You guys have the book there on your lap. When I sat to start doing this and I looked at where the two-week break came, it like hit me. After I got the book back from publishing ready to go, it hit me. Oh, the two-week break comes after obey. <laughs> so God not only gives us two weeks with the word, he gives you four weeks to practice. Isn't that so sweet of the Lord? I thought that was very, very timely of the Lord. He goes, I'm going to give you two weeks because we have two weeks with each word in this process of worship. He gives us two weeks to study the word of God together with the word obey. And then we have two bonus weeks just to sit and practice and dwell and fall in love and obey. How wonderful is your God? Does that overwhelm you? I pray that overwhelms you. I think it's beautiful and wonderful. James, James chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to read this verse, and I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit shows us this verse. The verse says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Question mark. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Question mark. And then there's a second question in this verse. The second question says this. It says, can that faith save him? Question mark. Have you ever had a debate with somebody over this verse? Have you ever had questions about this verse? Have you ever looked at this verse with the head of knowledge? And we look at this verse and we say, I need to study this verse because I need to know how to teach this verse. So when the opportunity comes of what does this verse mean, I can answer that question. Can I talk to my Bible students for a moment? Bible students have a struggle, 
and my hand is high, high, high up in the air. We have a struggle that when we come into the Word of God, especially the book of James, because James is so intense with knowledge, we come into the book of James and we want to know. So we come at this book with a head of knowledge saying, I have got to figure out what this Word is saying, what this passage is saying, so I can stand with James and Jude and contend for the faith and be able to explain the depths of my brain over this verse. That's good. James says to contend for the faith. Jude tells us to contend for the faith. James makes sure we stand on knowledge. Here's the problem, Bible student. When we look at the Word of God with a head of knowledge, without a heart of understanding, all we're doing is sticking in a cyclical conversation of knowledge. So that when we're talking to somebody else who also wants that head of knowledge, all you're doing is benefiting one another's head of knowledge. And the world around you is dying and going to hell without the name of Jesus Christ. And your walk with God is not growing or getting deeper, and your eyes aren't seeing, your ears aren't hearing, your heart isn't understanding, but your head is getting big. And scripture says that when our head gets big, we get what? All puffed up. And you ask any woman on God's green earth how they feel when they're puffy. <laughs> Uh-huh. Don't be a puffy Christian. We, we can we put that on a t-shirt? We, we need to tag that shirt. Don't be a puffy Christian. Body, mind, or soul. You just don't want to do this. To know is powerful, but scripture says knowledge comes with the fear of the Lord, doesn't it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Not being able to come into this book with your head of knowledge and saying, I am going to proclaim this word to whoever is ready to listen to me preach it. This book is so much bigger than a book of knowledge. Jesus says, blessed is the one who has a heart of understanding. So here's my plea to all of us. Can we look at this and ask this question so personal? There's two questions in this one verse. Can we reword it so this is about you and about your God? The person that you've had dialogue with about this, erase them. Just get your little magic eraser and just erase them. The preacher that has preached this to you, good and bad, Erase it. We're going to start brand new, fall in love with the word obey, find out what that looks like, and we're going to look at this verse between you and your God. You and your God. For those, sometimes I'm told that I talk overheads. Huh. I'm sorry. I truly, seriously, I'm sorry. Um, but if, if I am at this moment, can you erase and forget the whole preface and just start right where you are? We're going to go into scripture. This is about you. This is about your God. This is about your heart of worship. So as we go into this verse and we answer these two questions, do what we've been practicing with our heart of worship. What do you know? I have a feeling we ha talked a lot about obedience and we're, we're on edge. We're on edge. Before we jump into the heart of worship or the, this passage, let's get our heart of worship. What do you know? Spend some time with the Lord for just a moment. What do you know? If you need to go back to 1 John, go back to 1 John. What do you know? I know that my sins are forgiven by the precious blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ. What do you know? There's so much to know, sweet friend. Focus on that. What do you know? Jesus is looking at you, and he's asking you a question. His question is, do you love me? Let your heart skip a beat just a moment. Look in his eyeballs. Look back into the very eyes that are looking upon you and answer that question, oh Jesus, I love you. 
Lord Jesus, you know, you know that I love you. Who loves you? Who loves you so much that he has given you a mind so pure? Oh, how overwhelming is that truth? He's given you a heart so preciously full and abundant by the precious blood of his Savior, Jesus Christ. And your very soul is loved by its creator. What do you know? Who do you love? What have you been practicing with him the last few weeks? Be there. Get that heart of worship. Get that heart of worship. And then have somebody ask you this question. What good is it? What good is it to have that faith and do nothing about it? That's what this verse is asking. What good is it for me? And let's take, like, let's have you ask me. I'm sitting here. I have faith in the one that saved me from all of my sin. What good is it if I have faith, period, and I do absolutely nothing about it? What good is that? What good is that for me? If you picture a glass at your house, picture any glass, whether it's, you know, a little tumbler or your favorite, you know, long-stemmed, picture your favorite glass at your house. And in your favorite glass, you pour it with water and you fill it with water. And you set your beautiful favorite glass on your counter and it's full of water and it sits there. What good is that? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's filled, and you're so thirsty. What good is that glass, beautifully full of water, sitting there on your table? You've got a glass. It's full of what you need. It's sitting there in your reach. What good is that water to your soul if you don't pick it up and drink it? What good is it? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says to you, you have faith, but you don't have works. What good is that? And you sit there and you say, but don't judge me. Don't you judge me. Judge yourself. What good is it if I have faith, if I have this heart of worship and I do nothing about it? What good is it, my sweet friend who's um, married and desiring to get married, if you get your wedding gown and you do your wedding ceremony and you go home with your wedding groom and you never once consummate your marriage. Did you know legally that marriage can be wiped clean? What good is marriage without consummation? <laughs> we all giggle a little. I giggle a little. I'm an immature little girl. You get married, why? I got a new bride. Are you still technically new? I don't know, you've already celebrated your first wedding anniversary. I don't know if you can be classified as a new bride. <laughs> what good is it? Why do we get married? Typically, it's love. And that love typically overwhelms you with the desire to work. Can we put work in quotations? That love draws you. It makes a desire so deep, so burning within your soul that you produce an actable work. Christian friend, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You know the very creator of this world knows you. He 
knows you. He knows your hair. He knows your tears. He knows your fears. He knows your woes. He knows your smiles. He knows what makes you giggle down to your very core. He knows what you're scared to death of. He knows what you're brave about. He knows every single word, every single thought, every single, every single atom within your soul. He knows you through and through. He could picture your little fingerprint within his eyesight at all times. He knows what makes you, you. He's got your DNA printed upon his heart. He knows you. And he says, I love you so much. And you go, I am so overwhelmed by your love. Now what? What do I do? He goes, I'm going to give you my spirit. My spirit is in you, and my spirit is going to want you to obey. My spirit, God says, is going to be in you, and the spirit of God that is in you is going to say to you, oh, daughter, obey. Who's talking? If the spirit of God is in you, and the spirit of God is in you, and the spirit of God is saying to you, obey, who's talking to you? The spirit of God. Right there, you don't have to obey a human. Anybody else take a breath? You're like, but, but I don't have to obey what that person told me to do. Technically, you're an adult. You don't have to obey anybody. <laughs> Follow me. I'll show you. I'm that one at Bible college. Here's how silly I was in Bible college. Put your Bible on the right side corner of your desk. That was a rule. Why is that a rule? Where is that in the Bible? That was my question. <laughs> I got a demerit for asking that question. <laughs> The Bible, right? Every morning, your Bible had to be in the right-hand side corner of your desk. That was the rule. So where did little 17-year-old Jacqueline put her Bible? <sighs> On the left corner of my desk. Rules are ridiculous. Rules are silly, and if you want to follow or hear stories of somebody who does not like rules, just spend some time with yours truly. I don't like man-made rules. I think man-made rules are ridiculous. My question is always to the people that create man-made rules, where is that in scripture? Some people don't like being asked that question. But the fact of the matter is, where is that in scripture? So can you ask yourself that question? And this is what we're going to start this week. This is my request. When your head says to you, I need to obey, I need to obey this to look like a, a Christian. I need to do this so I can obey the Christian creed. I need to, because sometimes in our head we have these ideas in our head that this is what Christian looks like, this is what Christian feels like, this is what Christian is. We have these concepts, whether these concepts were demonstrated to us by great resources. There is great, great humans out there that are doing great, great things for the Lord, but that's them. What is that to you? What is that to you? You follow me. Jesus says, you obey me. With the faith that you have in Jesus Christ, you produce work out of that. And the work that you're going to do is an obedience of the Holy Spirit in you, which means there is zero you are here map. And that's why this is so difficult.
We want a you are here map. We want to walk into an amusement park and be told this is where you are. And you go to step number one and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we all go, oh, step number one is wonderful. I just received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then we're ushered on a little trolley to step number two. And step number two says, remember what you know. You know that God is God and you know that Jesus is Jesus. And you know that you have, and you go through everything that you know and you're like, oh, oh, this is a great classroom setting. I like this classroom setting. And we remember what we know. And we jump onto the walkway and we go to the walkway to the next stop. And we say, do you love Jesus? And we're like, oh, but I just received Jesus as my Savior. And I know Jesus as my Savior. And yes, I love Jesus as my Savior. And you're just loving this step-by-step process. And we're clothed in our armor. And we didn't even realize it as we stand before door number four. And we're all standing there and we know what we know and we have our helmet of salvation there and we didn't even put it on. It's just there and we're like, wait, there's a helmet of salvation protecting my brain from having these awful thoughts of my past and it's just there and I didn't even realize it. That battle is dissipated. I didn't even realize it. And you're realizing how beautiful that hat looks on your head and you're standing there before door number four. And you're remembering everything that you know and you look at your hand and you've got your sword in your hand and you're so overwhelmed with the very fact that you get to walk around proclaiming this to yourself all day long. You wake up in the morning, you're remembering the word of God and you say, but I don't know how to quote it word for word. Where in scripture does it say you have to remember the word for word scripture? It says, know what you know, meditate on what you know, fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, freedom. It's not always freedom in the Lord. There's always freedom in the Lord. And you're standing there and the sword is in your hand and you're looking down your feet are so beautifully protected and wrapped in the gospel name of Jesus Christ. And you think, I need to tell somebody else about Jesus. And I am ready. I'm ready to go because I've got Jesus' word wrapped around my little toes and my little toes are ready to run. And I don't know where to go, but I'm standing here. I'm ready to go. And you're remembering that you are dressed in the righteousness of God. And it's not your righteousness. Your righteousness is a filthy rag covered in in the depths of the grave, you're dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you're standing there and you say, I didn't even realize I had this breastplate on me. My chest, my heart is completely, completely covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, protected from every arrow that is shot at me because I'm dressed in his righteousness and I don't have to try to do anything about it. It's already on me. I'm already ready. I'm standing here. I didn't even realize it. I can't even like curl up in a little pouty ball anymore because this breastplate of righteousness is keeping me standing upright. I'm strong. I'm strong and I didn't even notice it. All I was doing was knowing what I know and loving whom I love and practicing what I'm practicing and I'm upright and I'm strong and I'm ready to go and I don't know where I'm ready to go but I, I'm I'm ready. And as you declare all that you're dressed in without even purposing to put this clothing on, you're so, so ready for the next step. And that, that shield of faith has covered everything in front of you. And you're like, I, I can do anything. Your thoughts, God, they're amazing. Your ways are overwhelming. My feet are ready to go. My hand is ready to go. My head is ready to go. My heart is ready to go. Where do I go? And the Holy Spirit says, obey. Obey me. And we all stand there as a huge, beautiful battalion ready for war.
What good is it, my friend, if a soldier is ready for war and the whole battalion moves forward and you stand? Disappointing. Is that disappointing? You picture their civil war. You picture that line of soldiers depending on one another, leaning on one another, getting their strength and their courage from one another. They're all wearing the same thing. They're all looking at the same goal. They're all fighting the same fight. They're all knowing this is one for all and all for one. We are in this. It's for freedom. And our commander says, charge. And the whole line moves forward, not knowing if life or death on earth is sitting before them. And one soldier stands there and watches the war take place. What good is it, my friend, to have faith and not works? It's a good question to ask. It's an amazing question that I encourage each and every one of us to ask the Lord as we practice the heart of worship this week. As you, and if you are taking on the challenge of physically responding with your heart of worship, can I say this? It's hard. It's hard to, uh, to get on the floor. Sometimes our body says it's hard to get on the floor. And if your body is saying it's hard to get on the floor, God knows your body. God knows your body. And I can say I understand. I can tell you my season of in a wheelchair with multiple sclerosis. I can tell you my season of laying in bed and being ultimately in a you know, sleep coma. For a year, your body has its physical limitations. Respect your body. If at any way possible, you can obey and practice the heart of worship in awe, in the reverence before your God for your sake. If you have a hard time, and I'm, I'm trying not to say this, but the Lord keeps pressing it, so please, I pray that I don't offend anybody. If you have a hard time following the Holy Spirit, saying, I want you just to follow me onto your knees, then you're going to have a hard time when the Holy Spirit says, I need you to obey me in this way. If you want to practice obeying the Holy Spirit, practice it by showing your heart of worship before the throne of God physically. You learn humility and adoration and vulnerability. And to be vulnerable sometimes hurts because we've been vulnerable before a human and a human has broken that vulnerability in us. To obey is a very vulnerable act. You are not obeying a human. You are not being vulnerable in front of a human. You're not standing in front of a human in whom you love and saying, I love you. I just need you to love me. And I'm so embarrassed and I'm so vulnerable and I don't know how to process this and I don't know what to do. You're not doing these words. You're not doing this act in front of another human that has the capability of hurting you. Does that make sense? You're doing this before the very God that designed you, who created you, who loves you so desperately that he gave his only son to die in your place so that he could give you the spirit of his, his very design so that you could be one with him again, exactly in his image, exactly in his likeness. He says, I want you to be part of what I designed you to be, which is me. I want to be one with you. I want to be one with you, says the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe wants to be one with you. 
Think about that. Oh, how humbling is that? And the only way for God to be one with you is to send his son to die for you, to pay for your sins for you, and to give you the Holy Spirit of God, because that is your unity with God. The Spirit of God is the unity that you have with God. It is your oneness. It's so big. This is such a huge concept such a huge concept and when the holy spirit of god the very spirit of god he is not a ghost by the way he is not a spirit like we read from charles dickens by the way we have these visuals don't we where a human being dies and we see the spirit you know lifting the spirit of god is the very essence of the creator of the universe and god says i'm going to give you the very essence of who i am through and through and i'm going to put that in you does that make you want to fall down and worship say god i don't deserve your spirit but i i am one that has put my faith in jesus christ and for that i receive it i mentally am making that decision that i believe that your spirit is in me and the spirit of god is telling me obey and love the lord with all my heart with all my soul with all my mind and the only way i know to show that is in a physical worship it's just a good way to practice just a good way to practice because can i tell you this the holy spirit wants you to obey he wants you to obey every step and we have no idea what those steps are because there isn't a you are here map we can follow step one and step two and step three and we all stand there before the door and the door says obey obey the holy spirit walk in the holy spirit be led by the holy spirit and we all stand there partly ready head mind soul we're ready but we don't know what's behind that door we have no idea what's behind that door none and we get nervous like what does that look like what does that look like the door opens and the miracle of our god is when that door opens and we all see what's on the other side of that door, you and I see something totally different. That's the miracle of God. That's the power of God. What the Holy Spirit wants me to see on the other side of the door is for me to see and for me to trust and for me to obey. And what my soldier friend standing right next to me, right shoulder to shoulder next to me, when she looks through that door, she sees what the Holy Spirit wants her to see, and it's totally different than what I see. And we look at each other, we go, can you believe that this is what the Spirit wants me to do? And she goes, that's not what I see. This is what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. And we both, by complete trust, obey that one scene that the Holy Spirit showed us on the other side of the door. And this happens person by person by person. The question of obedience is this. Are you willing? Are you willing? And my prayer is that your answer is yes. And it's, it's not going to be moved to Africa. It's not. I have a girlfriend. Her name is Kate Snook. She and her husband and her five children just relocated to Togo, Africa. This family, their, their medical missionaries, Brandon and Kate, had a desire and a call to go to Africa before they ever had children. Their oldest is 18 years old. They both knew one day they're going to go as medical missionaries to Africa. 
The Holy Spirit gave them as a couple this desire 19 years ago. God is not going to wake you up at that door today and say, tomorrow you're going to go to Togo, Africa. You can trust that. What he might say is, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He might say, do you see that glass of water? Do you see that glass of water? I need you to pick up that glass of water and I need you to give it to somebody. That's what he's going to say. He's going to say, I need you to get your faith, honey. I need you to give your faith to one, to one person. And all you're doing is just handing it and going like that. And you're like, oh, oh. So you just are going to have me do something easy? Yep. Something simple? Yep. Something that fits me? Yep. Almost as if you created me. Almost as if you know me. Almost as if you know what my foot can handle, what my hand can handle, what my knowledge can handle, what my breastplate of righteousness can handle. Yes. Do you know God loves you? God loves you and he's going to take you exactly where he wants you to go as you are, where you are. What he needs from you is simply a yes. When you practice with the Lord this, mor this week, make sure you have your heart of worship. And when you're in that heart of worship, say, Lord, my question for you, my wish for you is that I will say yes. <laughs> That's nerve wracking and so exciting and so adventurous and so ready. You're ready. You're ready. If you have your heart of worship, you are ready to show your work. And it's not for anybody else. It's for you and it's for your God. Nobody else. Does that make sense? The word obey the word obey. Father God, Lord, I'm, I sit here without any words. I feel like I have so much more to say and nothing else to say. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak the truth upon my heart that I need to hear. If I can just selfishly pray, Lord God, that you will, that you will open behind that door my next step of obedience. And I pray that you will help me to, to say yes. Help me to trust so fully so that my faith can be demonstrated through the works of the Holy Spirit. May my faith benefit. Oh, I pray that my faith will benefit. I pray this prayer upon every sister in Christ that is praying with me, whether here live or on podcast or on video or today or next year, or whenever it is, the Holy Spirit, that you bring us together to study James 2. I pray that you will grow our faith, that our, our heart of worship will take that step of actionable faith, oh, that will demonstrate actionable faith, and that we'll only do it when our heart of worship is set and beating at the foot of the cross. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Help us to spread the love of Jesus by subscribing, giving us a thumbs up, and writing a comment. For more Women Inseparable studies, check out our website at womeninseparable.com. Send your questions and prayer requests to womeninseparable at gmail.com.